All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, we're back after another missed week, this time due to the NFL moving uh, Thanksgiving game almost a whole week later to a Wednesday night. <laughs> let me let me correct myself there. A Wednesday afternoon game where we had the Ravens and the Steelers playing on Wednesday afternoon. We couldn't miss that tree lighting on NBC. I hope you all tuned in for that, but that's how it got bumped to Wednesday afternoon. But either way, we're back here for the final, final podcast. Week 12 of the NFL is finally over. We'll discuss where the NFL standings are at this point. We're actually going to com- I'm actually going to compare them to some of my preseason predictions, see where I kind of stand on what I was thinking before the season started. We'll also look back at uh, which, which players I thought would win some of the major awards, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, stuff like that. We'll, we'll go into those as well. Then we'll look ahead to the Week 13 matchups that we have coming up this week. We'll get into some college football playoffs. Man, do they have themselves a little bit of a mess coming up. Ohio State having games canceled. I think they'll be able to play this Saturday against Michigan State, hopefully. But still, Ohio State having games canceled. Will they be able to even go to their Big Ten championship game? What does that mean for college football? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Badgers football as well as they return this week in Graham Mertz. College basketball is underway. We'll discuss that a little bit. Three Big Ten teams in the top five. That will change after this week, most likely, unfortunately. But still, impressive nonetheless for the Big Ten starting out strong. They have a really strong conference this year. We'll discuss that. NBA season just around the corner. We'll get our final thoughts on team rosters after the free agency and trades. We had one more big trade, one more uh, Woj bomb, if you will, before the season started here regarding Russell Westbrook, the Houston Rockets. So we'll get to that. We'll look at which teams I think could possibly make the postseason from both conferences. I don't know how I'm going to choose eight teams for the Western Conference. That just looks like an impossible task for anybody to predict that right. But man, it will be fun to watch the Western Conference try to fit eight teams into the postseason. We'll look at some of the other scheduled uh, games this year as the NBA schedule is out now. We have opening day. We've got Christmas games, of course, opening night, not opening day. That's baseball. We've got Martin Luther King Day as well for the NBA. And then we'll get to, of course, my final thoughts at the end of this episode. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with the NFL. Week 12, finally over. We had a game, like I mentioned, Wednesday afternoon, not Wednesday night. But this this year, we're going to have Christmas games Sunday through Saturday, all seven days of the week. Of course, every Sunday, you get all those games. You get the Monday night games. We had a Tuesday night game this year. We'll have another one coming up this week for week 13 so i mean we've got tuesday we just had our wednesday night games we of course have our thursday night games every week as well we'll have a friday night game i believe christmas actually christmas day we'll have a football game i think it involves the rams but i'll have to double check on that but christmas day we'll have a football game thinking about this christmas day we'll probably have college basketball games of course the nba's big matchups and the nba's games and then we'll have a football game as well and then on Saturday, we'll have football games this year, too. The NFL is going to have, I believe, the Buccaneers and one other team, two matchups on, on a Saturday this year. So we have we get football seven days a week in 2020 because of the circumstances of having to move a couple games here and there. But wow, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Let's take a look at the standings, where we are right now, taking a look at the playoffs. In the AFC, we still have the Steelers undefeated, a close one, though, 
on that Wednesday afternoon game against the Ravens. No Lamar Jackson missing, I believe, upwards of seven or eight starters on that Ravens team. Still able to keep it competitive. Even RG3 going out injured at, at one point in this game, and now he's on IR. So, I mean, the Ravens right now in the ninth seed, they are two spots out of the playoffs behind both the Raiders and the Colts and the Dolphins for that six, seven, eight spot. The Ravens are six and five. Lamar Jackson might not be back this week. They play on Tuesday against the Dallas Cowboys. So I mean Lamar, he he'll be eligible to come back if he's if he's healthy and all that, but if he's not healthy, it'll be Trace McSorley starting for the Baltimore Ravens. So Baltimore needs to uh needs to get into gear pretty soon and hopefully Lamar Jackson can get back. Otherwise they'll be in danger of missing the playoffs one year after having that 13-3 and Lamar Jackson MVP season. So we'll see how that goes. But Pittsburgh still undefeated 11-0. and You got Kansas City at 10-1 and looking strong as ever. Tennessee 8-3 and right now. They hold the AFC South title. They just beat up the Indianapolis Colts and Derrick Henry rushing for three touchdowns and over 150 yards. The scary thing about Derrick Henry and the Titans right now is Derrick Henry already has 1,200 yards rushing and there's still five games left in the season, and that's when Derrick Henry eats, <laughs> and, and, and Derrick Henry is just at his best down the stretch here. And so I, I would not be surprised if Derrick Henry got close to 2,000 yards rushing this year. But Tennessee Titans at 8-3 and three hold that third spot. And then the Buffalo Bills, the last, the AFC East division winners, they hold the fourth spot at 8-3 and three as well. They lost to Tennessee. That's why they have the fourth seed there. Here's your three wildcard teams then for the AFC. You have the Cleveland Browns at 8 and 3. I believe this is their first time guaranteeing a non-losing season since Bill Belichick was the coach. What was that? Like 1992. So I mean, I mean, now Cleveland doesn't necessarily have the the strongest resume of wins. They only have one win against a team above 500, the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are a good football team, but I mean still Cleveland their their wins have come against like the Eagles two against the Bengals. I believe they have one against the Cowboys possibly and Washington. They beat up they got the NFC East on their schedule. So I mean, you don't disservice them for that. They don't make the schedule, but we're not sure how legit of a team Cleveland in, but but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Get into the playoffs and then we'll see from there. But Cleveland sitting strong right now at 8 and 3. They face off against Tennessee this upcoming week, so that'll be a really good test to see where Cleveland actually is. I mean, they're three losses this year have come to Pittsburgh, that was a big loss, and have come to Baltimore, that was a that was a blowout as well, and then they lost to the Raiders, who are just outside of the playoffs right now. We got the Dolphins in the playoffs as well at 7-4, and Tua Tugavailoa, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, they, they benched Fitzpatrick, and they brought in Tugavailoa, he went 3-1 and one as a starter, recently just went down with a thumb injury, we'll see if he'll be able to return, but now the question is, if he does return, Ryan Fitzpatrick has won them, I believe, a game now, maybe two, since he's come back in as the starter. Do they go back to Tugavailoa, or do they leave Fitzpatrick in to make the postseason? In my opinion, you just put Tugavailoa in. You you already know he's your starter. You put him in. He's He can win the games, and this is the time when you didn't even think he would be in the postseason uh, picture at this point, this season at least. You were hoping maybe next year or two years from now. But you're in it right now. This is the time you give Tugavailoa this experience. He's young. If you don't make the postseason, 
that's a, that's a learning experience for him, and he'll learn how to close down the stretch of the season going forward in his in his career. And you can learn more about about your rookie starting quarterback this way too. If you do make the postseason, all the better to you. Now you get Tugavailoa in his first postseason game. You get him some of that first postseason experience as the sixth seed. They're not going to win a postseason game if they get that six or seven spot. They'll be facing the likes of Kansas City, Tennessee, or even Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh uh, falls a little bit there. But still, I think you got to put Tugavailoa back in. But right now they're sitting pretty good at seven and four. Then the last playoff spot is the Indianapolis Colts at seven and four as well. They're battling with Tennessee. It looks like Tennessee might be able to hold off the Colts with uh, that win last week to to claim that AFC South. The other two teams right there, the Raiders and the Ravens, both at six and five. Boy, the Ra- the Raiders just came off a brutal loss to the Falcons, getting blown out like forty to six. That was my highlight last week. That was just tough to watch for Derek Carr and and the, and the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland there, but man, I, I was hoping that they would be able to make a push to the postseason. I'd like to see John Gruden back in the playoffs, but that was a tough loss. They got the Jets this week, so so hopefully a nice easy bounce back for them, get to that seventh win, kind of right the ship there. But we'll see there. So that's that's the AFC. You got Pittsburgh, KC, uh, the Chiefs, Tennessee, Buffalo as your four division leaders. Then you got Cleveland, Dolphins, and the Colts as your three wild card spots. We'll go over to the NFC. You got New Orleans, nine and two at the top, still missing Drew Brees. Taysom Hill, 2-0 as the starter since he's come in. No passing touchdowns since he's been the starter, but four rushing touchdowns, whatever it takes to win. I mean, they did just play the Denver Broncos, who were down to a practice squad wide receiver. All respect in the world to Kendall Hinton coming in as a rookie, practice squad wide receiver, and starting at quarterback. No matter the, the results, respect there, but that's who the Saints beat last week. So Taysom Hill... He'll face the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming week for his third straight start. We'll see when Drew Brees can come back with that rib injury and that lung injury. But right now, the Saints, with that, they have a really strong defense. Um, we'll see when, when they can uh, get Drew Brees back and how it goes for them there. Then at the two and three spots, you got Seattle and Green Bay, both at eight and three, both looking really good. Seattle starting to right the ship. They lost three of four previously. Now they're on a two-game winning streak, so looking good there. At the four spot, here's your NFC East. Pick them, whoever you want at this point. But right now, it's the New York Giants at four and seven. You got the Washington football team at four and seven as well. Then you got Dallas. They're down at the bottom of the NFC at three and eight. And then you got the Eagles at three, seven, and one. So they're still behind. They still have that tie. So, I mean, that that kind of gives the Eagles a little bit of an advantage. But, man, they are really struggling. They have no idea what they what they want to do with with the quarterback and Carson Wentz. The offense just looks horrible everywhere you go. They're not sure if they want to start Jalen Hurts. So they got some so they got some problems that they got to figure out there. But right now it's the New York Giants in the lead for the NFC East. And they just might have lost their starting quarterback Daniel Jones, at least for this week. Hopefully not for future weeks. But man, if it's gonna it's gonna possibly come down to the Washington football team as the team that that comes in the postseason, or maybe even the the Philadelphia Eagles might squeak their way back in there. But here's your three wild card teams. Then you got the Rams and the and the Buccaneers. Rams at seven and four. Buccaneers at seven and five. And then the Cardinals round out the NFC playoffs at six and five. Kind of faltering a little bit. I think they've lost two in a row 
since that Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins against the Buffalo Bills. Kyler Murray might be dealing with an injury, but still, they're hanging on to that seventh seed right on right behind him, though. Minnesota Vikings at five and six. The 49ers starting to come back at five and six, starting to get some guys healthy. That defense is getting a few guys. Can they get Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle back at the end of the season? That's still up in the air. But don't let San Francisco start to get hot down the stretch because you do not want them to squeak into the playoffs with that seven seed, whoever would have the, the second seed then as a division winner. I don't think you'd want to play the 49ers come postseason time. They'll be a really tough team. They're, they're a strong running team. They're starting to get some of their running backs healthy. And we'll see if Jimmy Garoppolo or even George Kittle can come back maybe week 16, week 17. That's what San Francisco's kind of hoping for, and maybe they can slide into the playoffs. And then you've got Chicago at five and six as well, but they've lost five in a row. I think they started I think they started five and one and now they're five and six. So I I really don't count Chicago in the hunt at this point anymore. But there you go. There's your standings. NFC Saints, Seahawks, Packers, then you got the Giants, then you got Rams, Buccaneers, Cardinals, and then you've got the Vikings and then the 49ers knocking on the door. Here's how I had it going for uh, my division picks before the season started. All right, we'll start in the AFC North. We'll start there. We'll start. I had the Ravens at 13 and 3 and man, that is not proving to be one of my better picks. I had the I had the Steelers making the playoffs at 9 and 7. I didn't think the offense would be this good with Ben Roethlisberger back in the fold. It has been. He's got weapons all around him. Got a nice running back in James Conner, but he's got Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. He can even get it to Eric Ebron, his tight end. He's got another guy in James Washington that he trusts. So they're 11-0 right now. They're atop the AFC. I had them at 9-7. and Cleveland, I had at 8-8. Eight and eight. So I had them at 8 wins. Looks like they'll be able to possibly get over that 8-win mark. I had them just missing the playoffs. I had them as my A seed. Maybe they'll be able to prove me wrong. And then the Bengals at 5-11. and 11, ugh, Just tragic of Joe Burrow tearing his ACL. I believe he just underwent surgery this past week. And they said everything looks fine. Hopefully he'll be able to fully recover come next season. And, and that's hopefully the case because he was exciting to watch this year. No matter who the Bengals were playing, the Bengals were going to be able to put up 20-plus points a game. Their defense isn't any good. And, but they need to be able to protect... Joe Burrow, and, and we saw that as he tore his ACL this year. So that's how I had my AFC North. I had the Ravens at 13-3. and three. Obviously, that's not correct as they're 6-5 and five right now. I had the Steelers at 9-7. and seven. They're 11-0, so they'll have more than 9 wins, of course. And then Cleveland at 8-8. Eight and eight. That could still be right, but no. So the AFC North, I've got one of the playoff teams correct. Baltimore can still prove me right if they make it in. NFC North then we had I had the Packers at 11 and 5 Packers right now at 8 wins 11 and 5 looks like a pretty good uh pretty good estimation for the Packers there the Vikings I had at 9 and 7 I had them just missing the playoffs and that looks uh pretty accurate right now at this point 9 and 7 they're 5 and 6 right now so that looks I mean the Vikings have started to turn it around I believe they started 1 and 4 you got the Detroit Lions at 6 and 10 and the Bears at 5 and 11 that would be Absolutely hilarious to me if the Bears started five and one, finished five and eleven to help me out with that prediction there. But the the Lions at four and ten, just firing their head coach Matt Patricia, kind of trending in the wrong direction. We'll see if they can get to that six win mark. I think they're at four and seven right now, but I think they'll be able to rally around this new interim coach. So we'll see there. Let's get to the South Division. 
I had the Indianapolis Colts at 10 and 6, Houston Texans at 7 and 9, Titans at 7 and 9, and then the Jaguars at 3 and 13. Obviously, I miss uh I missed the mark on the Titans. I uh I owe an apology to Ryan Tannehill because I remember writing in my preseason notes that I wasn't sure if I trusted Ryan Tannehill yet at this point because I, I, I took his 13 game as a sample and I didn't think it was a big enough sample. I mean, he got that big contract, but man, Ryan Tannehill has proven me wrong for sure as as they're, they're, they're eight and three. They're at the top of the AFC South division. It's a, it's a pretty good division with the Colts. Texans have started to turn it around, but they're obviously nowhere near uh, the top of this division. I thought this could be a team that would fall down from last year. I mean, they fired their head coach and their general manager. Uh, actually, it's the same person. So, <laughs> of course, they, they fired them both there. But losing DeAndre Hopkins really didn't help out this offense. And this defense still has holes left and right. But, yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill has proven me wrong. The way that the Titans use play action and, and Derrick Henry is unstoppable almost at, at some points. You, you know Derrick Henry, you can load the box with eight guys, but he's still able to find a hole. He, su- he has such great vision, and then once he once he breaks through the initial line of scrimmage, it's hard for, for even linebackers and corners to tackle him. So, I mean, that that's why you've got the Tennessee Titans at the top of that division. I had them missing the playoffs. That was that was a clear miss there. NFC South then, we've got the Saints at 12-4. and four. That's looking promising. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 10-6. and six. Everybody's freaking out that Tampa Bay is 7-5, and five, losing some of these games. We didn't think that they would be at the top of, of the NFC South. I mean, I thought they would lose their fair share of games at 6 here. I still have them making the playoffs as the 6th seed. I don't see I don't see much of a worry for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think that they're going to be the NFC favorite. A lot of people had them as their NFC favorite. I, I, I mean, it's a weird offseason. Like I said, I've been harping on all the time on this podcast is continuity. Teams that carried over from last year to this year, I thought would have the best chance of, of success. And, and we're kind of seeing that. The Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, the New Orleans Saints, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, teams like that having that carryover success. I mean, the, T- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a completely new team. Head coach, I mean, the same head coach, but brand new quarterback. He's got all these weapons. Antonio Brown thrown into the mix. Leonard Fournette thrown into the running back mix. Here comes Gronk. The defense is nice, but they, they still they still have their ups and downs from week to week. So, I mean, that's why I, I never had them as, as one of my favorites in the NFC. They've, they've won some big games. They've beaten the Green Bay Packers. They've been blown out twice, though, by the New Orleans Saints. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where we stand with them. I had the Falcons at 7-9. and nine. They're starting to turn it around under new interim coach after they fired Dan Quinn after an 0-5 start. I still didn't have them making the playoffs. And then the Carolina Panthers, they've had a lot of injuries this year. Teddy Bridgewater, Christian McCaffrey, that defense is still young. I had them at 5-11, and 11, missing the playoffs. AFC East. This one's kind of, I mean, this one, I'm, I'm, one big miss is, is the Miami Dolphins at 7-9. and nine. I had them at seven wins. I thought they'd be an improved team. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but here they are in playoff position. At the top, though, I still had the Buffalo Bills at 10-6. and six. The New England Patriots at 8-8. Eight and eight. Right now, I think they're at 5-6. and six. So they still have a chance to get back to that 8-8 eight and eight mark, but 8-8 eight and eight isn't going to make the playoffs this year. I think this year for the AFC nine wins is is going to get you that seven spot so i mean eight and eight they'll they'll just be on the outside looking in for the playoffs i think for the patriots and then the jets i had them at five and eleven clearly five wins was way too much 
for the New York Jets as they are 0-11 right now, knocking on the door of possibly being the second team to go winless or the, the first team to go winless since the Detroit Lions in 2008. So that's where I had the AFC East. Not looking bad right there. The NFC East is just a mess. I don't think anyone could have predicted this. I had the Cowboys 10 and 6, Eagles 9 and 7. I had both of them making the playoffs. Two teams from the NFC East. So that was my first mistake there. New York Giants at 6 and 10. That could be the division winner right there. The Giants could go 6 and 10 and win their division the way this is going out. Washington football team at 2 and 14. They're, they've exceeded that a little bit there. Ron Rivera doing a really nice job with all the quarterback change from Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen to now Alex Smith, the comeback player of the year, no question this year, now they're starting quarterback. So that's how the NFC East is just a mess. We're not going to look at that one. AF, and then we get to the two West divisions here, Kansas City Chiefs 14-2. and two. I thought that they would just continue to roll this season with all the weapons they have. They, they added a rookie running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Then they added Le'Veon Bell. It's still Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill is just coming off of a 200-yard performance in the first quarter. Are you kidding me with that? So the Chiefs 14-2 and two looks good. I had the Broncos at 9-7. and seven. That, uh, that one was a little disappointing. Drew Locke, I mean, they just played a game, like I mentioned earlier, with a, with a practice squad rookie wide receiver at quarterback because of the COVID issues. And then they've had Drew Locke injured. They lost their number one wide receiver. Their defense has had losses all over the place, so Denver clearly not at 9-7. and seven. The big miss in this division was the Raiders. I had them at 4-12. and 12. They have six wins already, knocking on a playoff spot. And I, I thought that the problem was going to be Derek Carr. Derek Carr seems to be their best solution. I mean, how, how smart he's playing. He's only thrown, what is it, maybe four interceptions. He does have like eight fumbles this year, though, so that's <laughs> that's his big problem. But still, that was my big miss for the AFC West. And then I had the Chargers at 7-9. and nine. They have, they have their starting quarterback. Justin Herbert is going to be the face of that franchise for years to come. Now the question becomes, is his coach going to be Anthony, Anthony Lynn? They're not sure if Anthony Lynn is, is the right solution for that team going forward, but we'll see. I mean, they've lost so many heartbreaking games and one-point losses. We'll see where, where it goes next year for the, for the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm excited about that team. They've got Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. Hopefully Austin Eckler can stay healthy all year next year. And then they've got playmakers on that defense, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. They've got Kenneth Murray, the the linebacker. Then they've got Derwin James, Casey Hayward. In I mean, Derwin James is injured again this year, but still, if they can just stay healthy, that team, I think they could be a postseason team next year with Justin Herbert at the helm. Then the NFC West, I had 49ers at 13 and three. That one you can you can throw out the window with all the injuries that they had this year. They're still a strong team at five and six. Could still make the postseason. But not not the same as as last year, and that just shows you what what one year difference can make and how hard it is to win in the NFL. I mean, last year, Super Bowl team running through the NFC, literally running through them and over them for the Green Bay Packers, for that matter. And then a year later, you you lose Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman for eight weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo for multiple weeks, George Kittle, your best player for multiple weeks. I mean, you have all. I mean, you you had you've gone through three running backs maybe four running backs they might have went through at, at some point. But still, it just shows you you can be at the top one year and all of a sudden you're at the bottom next year. And still they're still fighting and clawing their way back to try and get into that postseason picture. But it's crazy how one year can be so different for teams. Um, and that's why it's so hard to win in this league. And that's why, I mean, it's it's funny. I'm, I'm going to go back to this really quick. For the Chiefs, 
when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, everyone's like, oh, goodness, can he win six Super Bowls? Can he win seven or eight Super Bowls? It's like, <laughs> pump the brakes for a second. I mean, you could have an injury for one year. Boom, that's one year gone. You could have a freak play in the postseason. I mean, the Packers had a couple of those. We thought after the Packers won with Aaron Rodgers in 2010, he's two, three years after he first started, we thought, oh, my goodness, here's a new dynasty in Green Bay. But then you get the postseason game where the the fumble, I'm, I'm sorry, not the fumble, the kickoff, the onside kick, we don't talk about that anymore. That's why I was mistaken there. We don't talk about that. But you get that. You get injuries to Aaron Rodgers for two years. All of a sudden, here we are 10 years later, Rodgers still has that one Super Bowl. That's what that's 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 the difference when people start talking about with Mahomes is can he win six Super Bowls? Pump the brakes. I mean, you've got the undefeated Steelers, you got the Titans, could have a bad game in the playoffs. All of a sudden you're five years down the road and Mahomes hasn't even been back to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's the case necessarily, but I'm just saying it just shows you how hard it is to win a Super Bowl in this league. And the 49ers are a prime example of that. Ben went to the Super Bowl last year. Here they are fighting through injuries this season. So back back to my predictions then with the NFC West. I had the Seahawks at 11 and 5. They look like the favorites right now to win that division after they just beat the Cardinals 2 weeks ago. Cardinals, like I said, starting to falter a little bit. I had them at 8 and 8. I think they'll have more than 8 wins this year. They're 6 and 5 right now. I think the Cardinals can squeak into the playoffs and right now the the miss that I had in this division was the Rams. I thought the Rams, like I said, I think this is the best division in football. 49ers, still a strong team, even with the injuries. Seahawks and Cardinals, of course. And then the Rams are actually second in this division. They are, they're they 7-4. and four. I thought they would struggle with the offensive line problems, some depth problems, and then they lost Todd Gurley. They've got three running backs that they use now, but Jared Goff, he's been hot and cold this year. He's got two great wide receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And then, of course, on the defensive side, you still got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey has been playing like the best corner in football this year. So that's where I missed on the NFC West right there was with the Rams at 6 and 10 I had them. Right now they've got 7 and 4. So I think uh I think they'll be making the postseason as well. I think the NFC West could have three teams make the playoffs. Actually, I don't think I think they I I'm pretty sure they will. It'll be the Seahawks as the division winner. I'm pretty sure the Rams will be making the playoffs and then it'll be between the Cardinals and the 49ers. If the 49ers can work their way back above the Cardinals because I think that that other team in the wild card will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think it's going to be Seahawks, Rams, and then it'll be between that Cardinals and 49ers team to make it as the final playoff spot. All right. So here was here was my teams to make the playoffs just last year, or as, as my predictions for this year. I had the 49ers, Saints, Packers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Eagles. So let's see. 49ers, I don't, I don't think they'll make the playoffs if I were to readjust this. I don't think the 49ers will. Saints, yes. Packers, yes. Cowboys, absolutely not. <laughs> Seahawks, yes. Buccaneers, yes. Eagles, no. Uh, actually, Eagles are maybe still. So, I mean, what do we got? One, two, four out of seven, possibly five out of seven. That's not bad. What do we got for the AFC? We had Chiefs, one, yes. Ravens, two. Ooh, boy, they are hard to predict right now, especially since we don't know if Lamar Jackson will be back. We'll leave that as a maybe. Bills, yes. Colts, I think the Colts will make the playoffs as a wild card team. Broncos, no. Steelers, obvious, yes. Patriots, I don't think so. So I think I, I think I got at least four. 
four in each conference. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad for, for my predictions there. All right. One last thing that I want to revisit is some of my uh, awards predictions. So here's, here's how I had it before the season started. MVP, I had Russell Wilson. Still a possibility. He's not the leader right now. Right now, I think the leader is Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. It's those two kind of duking it out. Probably Patrick Mahomes with a little bit of a lead at this point. Everybody's been talking like he's got this huge lead. I think it's a lot closer than we think between Mahomes and Rodgers. At least I hope it is because Rodgers is having a fantastic season. Offensive player of the year, I had Christian McCaffrey. That's that's going to be a no-go since the injuries that he's sustained this season. He's been struggling all year trying to stay healthy. Defensive player of the year, I had Zadarius Smith. Now, Smith, I think he's in the top five for defensive player of the year voting, but I don't think he's the favorite. Right now, my favorite, if I had to recalibrate it for this point in the season, I'd go with Miles Garrett. The way that Miles Garrett has been playing for that Browns defense, the turnaround for that team, that success in large part is because of Miles Garrett and that success of that defense. He's been out the past, is it two weeks now with, with COVID or at least one week? But at the time, he's got nine and a half sacks. He's just a sack and a half behind the leaders. So that Miles Garrett would be my pick at that point. I think the media and everybody else who actually has a vote in this, their picks are between TJ Watt and Aaron Donald, both deserving. Um, I wouldn't be upset. I'd be a little upset, actually, if Aaron Donald won it because I get that he's the best player in football, but that doesn't mean he necessarily had the best season. You can make arguments and stats for both guys, but still. Um, I wouldn't be upset if any one of those three won Defensive Player of the Year between TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, and Miles Garrett. But those are your three favorites right now. I had Zadarius Smith. I think he's in the top five, but still, he's probably not the favorite. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I had Joe Burrow. He was looking like he was on his way to winning it before his injury. Then Justin Herbert started to come on. He started throwing 300-yard passing games like it was his weekly job. Um, So Justin Herbert is going to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I had Isaiah Simmons or Chase Young. I don't know who is necessarily the favorite to win this award. Actually, it's probably going to be Patrick Queen, the linebacker from the Ravens. He's been having an outstanding year, and especially early on, he started really strong. Um, tackling machine all over the field for this this team and, and, and forcing turnovers too is what they'll look at when it comes to this. But I think right now the leader is between Patrick Queen and Chase Young. Comeback player of the year, I had Ben Roethlisberger. This still to me seems like it's a a pretty good a pretty good pick. But I think the answer is going to be Alex Smith because of the injury and and the stuff that he had to overcome to get back onto the football field. But Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a bad pick there. <laughs> And then most improved player of the year, I had Drew Locke. That, that's not looking like a good pick this year because of the injuries that he's sustained. I don't know who would, who would you pick as the, as the most improved player of the year. Probably Kyler Murray, most likely. I mean, he was in the MVP conversation for a little bit there after last year, but then they, they started to fall down. But they had a top 10 pick last year. They have a chance to make the playoffs this season. So I think Kyler Murray could be your most improved player of the year. And then offensive, oh yeah, I said offensive player of the year. I had Christian McCaffrey. Your favorites now probably at this point between Delvin Cook, Elvin Kamara. Elvin Kamara's kind of fallen off a little bit, but I think Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Elvin Kamara. And then my fourth I would put in there is Devontae Adams, who I thought was a possible uh, possible offensive player of the year before the season started. But there, I wasn't, uh, some of them were, were a little bit far off. Joe, Bur- I mean, Joe Burrow was on his way to winning it. Drew Locke was off. My defensive player, the rookie of the year, Isaiah Simmons was off. Defensive player of the year, a little off. 
But right now, if I had to pick new MVP, I would choose Aaron Rodgers at this point. I would take Aaron Rodgers over Patrick Mahomes. Offensive player of the year, it's going to go to Derrick Henry. Defensive player of the year, I think that will end up going to TJ Watt. Offensive rookie of the year, that one is sewn up basically by Justin Herbert. Defensive rookie of the year, I think that one will go to Patrick Queen. Comeback player of the year, that one is going to go to Alex Smith. He's made multiple starts. Incredible story for him. And then most improved player of the year will probably go to Kyler Murray. Here was my Super Bowl picks. I had Packers over Chiefs as the one that I wanted. And then I also had Chiefs over Saints as my second one. That's still going to take. I'm going to stick with Packers over Chiefs there. All right. Week 13 then of the NFL coming up. We've got some great games. My game this week, I get Cleveland at Tennessee for the NFL. That one is going to be fun. We get Derrick Henry versus Nick Chubb, two of the best running backs in the NFL. Very excited for that one. We get the Rams and Cardinals, two teams in the playoffs right now. Can the Cardinals rebound after two tough losses? Can they get themselves back in postseason contention? What else we got? We got Denver at Kansas City as our Sunday night game. Here we have two Monday night games. We get Washington at Pittsburgh, and then we get Buffalo at the 49ers for our two Monday night games. And our Tuesday night game is Dallas at Baltimore. So some great matchups coming up this week for week 13. We'll see come next week where we stand with our standings still there. All right, that's all I have for the NFL talk. Let's move on to college football now in the playoff rankings. We have our we have our college football playoff rankings now here at this point. I mean, here's our top four and where we where we are with those right now. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Notre Dame, both undefeated. Notre Dame defeating Clemson, who's number three. I mean, without Trevor Lawrence, but still a good win. That's still a good football team. Ohio State as the number four team. They're only four, they're four and zero. They're playing right now against Michigan State. The question is, will they have enough games to upset or get over the fifth and sixth seeds right now, which is Texas A and M and Florida? And the problem is, Ohio State has had a couple of games canceled due to COVID, of course. In the Big Ten, I've har- I've railed on the Big Ten on this podcast over and over on how they handled this season. And now, actually just the other day, they've been talking about do they have to relook at how teams can make their Big Ten championship game. And they're doing this because of Ohio State. I believe the threshold was you need to get to six wins or have at least played six games to get to the Big Ten championship game. That's in jeopardy for Ohio State. If they were to go 5-0 and or something like that, would they still let Ohio State get into the Big Ten Championship. So the Big Ten is is tiptoeing around this stuff. But the bigger question is, how does excuse me, how does the college football playoffs handle this? With Texas AM and Florida, both six and one, seven and one, knocking on the door. Do they give another spot to the SEC? I mean, that's that's something that they'll have to decide. They they obviously just want Ohio State in this. They're not even I'm not sure what they're doing at this point. I mean, Ohio State, if they finish with six wins, like say they have another game canceled due to COVID, they have an outbreak right now. They have 23 players not being able to play today as they face off against Michigan State. I don't know. This just seems... My my thing with, with college football this year is, is it all about just getting to the finish line? Is it all about crowning a champion no matter how it is, no matter is there going to be an asterisk next to this year? No matter how many games are played, it's all about getting to the finish line. And I think that's okay for the season because college football is a little different 
than the NFL. A lot of these players, yes, of course, they care about the results, but what they really want is to showcase themselves and get to that next step in the NFL. That's what a lot of these players are doing. A lot of these guys are obviously not going to make it to the NFL as well, and it's different for them, but what I hope for the for college football is they they fix that a little bit for guys. If they only do play five games, is that going to count as a full season? Do they lose a year of eligibility for five games or four games for some of these teams? I mean, Wisconsin right now is 2-1. They're facing off against, who is it, Indiana, 12th-ranked Indiana later today or later this week. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll end up playing five games this season unless their, their last game is canceled. They had two games earlier in the season canceled due to their outbreak that they had. They had last week's game against Minnesota's, the, the rival, the Axe game. They had that one canceled. And here we go. They have two games left. So they could end up playing a total of five games. Is that, does that take a year of eligibility away from some of these players who aren't going to be going pro but still want to play five or six seasons in college football? I don't know how they can play six seasons, but there's all these red shirts. But either way. And that's, and that's the big question that I have with, with college football is, is it all about just getting to the finish line no matter who's, no matter who's the winner, no matter how many games are played? Ohio State plays five games. We think in those five games they're one of the four best teams. Let's put them in. Do other teams get upset with that? I don't know. I mean, for me, I think college football is all about getting to the finish line this season. And for some of the players, and for, and for, the, big, for the big media stuff for it is about showcasing the best players so they can put five games on tape and then for the NFL to be able to evaluate them, and then they can still have a draft. If there was no college football this year, boy, the NFL draft would just be an absolute mess. The NFL combine would be the, the biggest thing for, for, for NFL teams. And so that's what I, I, I'm worrying about for, for college football is they're just kind of working around to get the teams that they want into the college football playoffs. And Ohio State is one of them, obviously. 4-0. and I mean, the other two teams are 6-1 and and 7-1. and so if Ohio State only does play five games, I th- they have a chance to get to six still. But if they only pl- let's say they only play five games, is the Big Ten going to let them into the Big Ten championship? And then my other thing is, if yes, would they have done this for any other team? If Wisconsin was 5-0, and would they make an exception? Yes, Wisconsin can go into the Big Ten championship game. Northwestern, actually, they just lost last week. But if Northwestern was only 5-0, and could they get into the Big Ten championship game? That's that's kind of uh, the worry that they have is ob- there's obvious favoritism for the Big Ten in Ohio State because they're the biggest threat to make it into the college football playoffs, but we'll have to see with college football. But that's that's our top four right now. A lot of disrespect for BYU though. BYU is nine and zero. They are one of the very few teams to have played nine games. I mean Notre Dame, Clemson, they've played nine games, but BYU is nine and zero. They have a quarterback who is in contention for the Heisman this year. That is exactly what college football wants to see. Why would this guy, why would this team not be rewarded and closer to the top four? They are ranked 13th right now. I don't know how BYU, Zach Wilson is their quarterback. He's a possible first round pick this upcoming year. This is exactly what college football wants in terms of teams in their playoffs. I mean, an undefeated team, a non-power, a non-power five team in BYU. They have a great quarterback, a possible first-round pick. That seems like everything you would want. I mean, the storylines are still great for a game. I don't know where all this disrespect for BYU has come from. I don't know why they are ranked so low at 13th. Get some of these teams that are ahead of them. Oklahoma, 6-2, and two, is 11th. 
and BYU is 13th. Indiana at 5 and 1 is 12th. I mean, Iowa State is 7 and 2 and they are ranked 9th. I don't know how that is possible. Georgia is 6 and 2. They are ranked 8th. I don't know how some of these teams are are way ahead of BYU. I think BYU should be 7th or maybe 8th in this rankings right now. I mean, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, I have no problem with that top four. And a lot of people could have a problem with Ohio State only having four games played in that four spot. But then Texas A&M and Florida, two good teams. Florida has a has a Heisman hopeful in Kyle Trask as well. So, I mean, that's what you have them in the top six. But then I think BYU, I mean, Cincinnati is 8-0, so they deserve to be in the top seven, top ten. But BYU needs to be in the top ten at minimum ahead of these two lost teams like Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Georgia. Georgia, 6-2, and two, and Oklahoma, 6-2. and two. They have played less games and have two more losses, and BYU is undefeated. I don't understand how they're all the way down there at 13. But either way, that's where we stand with our standings for the college football playoff rankings. They are going to have a hell of a time deciding who makes the college football playoffs this year with only four teams. And then the last thing, Badger football back today. Let's go. Off the COVID cancellation of last week in their Axe game against Minnesota. So Wisconsin, they play Indiana this week. So 12th-ranked Indiana versus 16th-ranked Badger football. They're coming off of the COVID cancellation and, of course, the loss to Northwestern. The big thing that I wanted to mention here was, did we crown Graham Mertz just a little too soon? And now I know I know I did, for sure. I mean, I, 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 knew, I know he's, he's still great. He's still, he's still really good. The problem is he's a freshman, and, and we kind of forgot that with all the hype around him. He's going to be a great football player. He did he had four turnovers against Northwestern, though. Wisconsin lost this game 17-7. to I mean, Northwestern was able to – I mean, they have a really great team. They have a great coach in Pat Fitzgerald. Last year, Northwestern was 3-9, and and after the game against Wisconsin, they were 5-0 and and undefeated. They lost their first game last week, but still – the turnaround that Northwestern was able to do is impressive. But the the back to the question of did we crown Graham Mertz a little bit early? <laughs> I mean, he, he started off the season with five passing touchdowns, only one incompletion. Yes, I, th- I think we crowned him a little bit early. This doesn't make me think that he is a bust or anything like that. Of course, he's a freshman still. Remember this. This is his first year playing. He had a great game. He's going to have a few of these duds. This is a big one. And the problem with... Um, crowning Graham Mertz the way that at least I did, I know, in that he was the next, uh, not next ne- necessarily Trevor Lawrence, but I did think he was going to be on that level of, of kind of quarterback play, of playing like Trevor Lawrence. But still, the problem with that is Wisconsin football has always been about the run game, and they don't have that workhorse number one running back like they've had in Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor last year. They have a good running back in Jalen Berger, He's a freshman as well, but he, he's going to be good, but he's not on the same level that Melvin Gordon, you hand it to him 35 times. Jonathan Taylor, you hand it to him 30 times. I mean, they they, they spread the, the wealth with the running here. I mean, just look at this game against Northwestern. Berger had 15 carries for 93 yards. That's a pretty good stat line. But then you had Nakia Watson, Garrett Groshek. They both got seven carries apiece. So obviously they aren't comfortable handing the freshman running back Jalen Berger 30 times. I mean, they could have given it to him 30 times right here. Taking Nakia Watson and, and Groshek's runs away, you get Berger up to 30 runs, and he probably has 150 yards rushing most likely. But they're clearly not comfortable with doing that with a freshman running back, so that puts a lot of pressure on Graham Mertz 
a freshman quarterback. And we saw that with his three interceptions. He had a fumble as well. So Graham Mertz is still going to be great. I think next year, Wisconsin, with, with all this COVID over and Graham Mertz having a full offseason. Oh, actually, he might not have a full offseason as the starter. Jack Cohn will be back next year, and there'll be another quarterback competition. But we'll see. I think this is a really good learning experience for Graham Mertz as the freshman quarterback. I still think Wisconsin has their best chance of making the college football playoffs with him at quarterback. That's what I think college football playoff committee wants to see as a team with a great quarter or a good quarterback, a great defense. We see that Alabama has, of course, just the offense to go with the great defense every year. Clemson has a new quarterback every every, <laughs> every cycle. Is that's the word I'm trying to think? Is every cycle, not every new year, because the quarterbacks in college football stay. They're not one and done. But every cycle, so Deshaun Watson, boom, bring in Trevor Lawrence. That's that's kind of how Clemson does. They'll, they'll, they'll probably be fine once Trevor Lawrence leaves as well. Notre Dame is a new addition this year, but then you've always got teams like Oklahoma. LSU was, was two years, or last year, of course. Ohio State always is filtering through quarterbacks as well. But I think Wisconsin's best chance is with Graham Mertz at quarterback. He just needs this freshman year. I think his sophomore and junior year, hopefully is when when Wisconsin shines. So I think we I think I know at least I did crowned him just a little bit early as the next best thing for college football, but I still think he's going to have a great career for Wisconsin as well. All right. Let's move on to college basketball now. That's underway. We have our top 25 rankings. Right now this will change unfortunately, but the Big 10 has 3 teams in the top 5. Iowa at 3, Wisconsin at 4, and Illinois at 5. Wisconsin just lost a heartbreaker, oh my goodness, to Marquette last night. I mean, Dimitri Trice hits the, the go-ahead shot with, what, two seconds left and then commits a foul with, with under a second left. And the Marquette makes the first free throw, misses the second one, and the ball bounces perfectly to Marquette for them to tip that in for the win. That was just ugh, heartbreaking for Wisconsin right there. But they'll drop to 2-1. and one. And they'll probably drop out of the top five, not out of the top ten, most likely. But they had three teams in the top five, so the Big Ten is really strong. They had Michigan State, the number eighth ranked team. They just beat Duke this past week, the number six ranked team, 75-69. So I think the the Big Ten could still have three teams in the top five next year, next week. Except it'll be Iowa, Michigan State, and Illinois. Iowa has possibly the best player in college basketball this year in Luca Garza. He's got a game over 40 points already and a game over 35 points. Two games over 35 points. I should have just put it that way. (laughs) But he's possibly or most likely the best player in college basketball coming off of a year that he had last year where he was in the running for the, the Naismith player of the year, college basketball player of the year. So, I mean, the Big Ten, right now I believe they have six teams in the top 25. Michigan was the seventh team. They just dropped out. So the Big Ten from top to bottom is going to be a really strong conference this year, and I'm excited to watch the Big Ten uh, battle it out. I think they've got at least four teams that could possibly win it all come March. That's Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan State. And then they've got other teams that could possibly make it to the Sweet 16. Michigan, their second year under Jawan Howard. Like I said, they just dropped out of the top 25. Still a good basketball team. Ohio State and Rutgers in the top 25 as well. Big Ten is is an exciting conference this year. Usually one of the one of the underrated ones. They 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 haven't won the national championship since was it Michigan State? How long ago was that? Was that two thousand? 
that Michigan State is that the last Big Ten team to win March Madness and, and win the tournament? It might be, but they, they've been competitive, but they've never been had favorites to win it. It's always between Duke, Kentucky. Now it's Gonzaga, Villanova, Baylor, Virginia as well. I mean, those are those are kind of the favorites. I mean, Baylor, Villanova, and Gonzaga are kind of the top teams as title favorites this year. But the Big Ten, I think, is going to have some exciting matchups all year long. You're going to have top 10 matchups week to week. I mean, that could hurt some of the rankings. Say if, if Iowa beats Illinois, Illinois might drop out of the top 10, but they could still be deserving of a top 10 team after losing to a top five team in Iowa or something like that. So the Big Ten is going to be exciting. I think that's the best conference in college basketball this year. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, speaking of some of, the, some of the top players this year, I mean, Luca Garza, we already mentioned him. Illinois has got a couple of top guys leading their rotation. We've got Baylor and Jared Butler as well. Remy Martin from Arizona State. I mean, Sam Hauser, the transfer from Marquette to Virginia, is getting a lot of buzz as a potential player of the year. Joshua Langford at Michigan State. There's, there's some fun players to watch this year for college basketball. I'm excited that the season is finally underway. The good thing with college basketball, too, they did this right. They started the season on time. They didn't postpone the start of the season. So now when some of these games that are being not canceled like college football, but some of these games that have COVID problems, they can postpone them. They don't have to cancel them like college basketball is having to do. All right, let's stick with basketball, but we'll move over to the NBA. We'll get some of our final thoughts on some team rosters after all this free agency. Like I teased at the beginning of the episode, we finally get to it. Russell Westbrook was traded from the Houston Rockets to the Washington Wizards for John Wall. This is a blockbuster here. John Wall and a first-round pick are heading to Houston. Not sure what this does for James Harden if he still wants to stay in Houston. I'm pretty sure he's not there yet in terms of training camp, which are starting this week because the season begins December 22nd. But still, now it's John Wall and James Harden in Houston, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in Washington. So I think that will be really fun. I think this is best for both Westbrook and Harden. I don't think those two were a good match. I mean, they, they liked each other, of course, since their times in OKC. But I just think their playing styles really didn't suit each other and complement each other very well. So I think Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, though, I think those complement each other very well. Bradley Beal is more of an off-ball guy, the way he can cut, the way he can get open and shoot the three. Russell Westbrook can now average 25 points a game and 12 assists with passing it to Bradley Beal and some of these other shooters that Washington has. I mean, it's not like Washington is going to be plugging the paint. They've got guys like Davis Bertans, who they just re-signed to a huge $80 million deal. He's a great shooter. So, I mean, Russell Westbrook can pass it out to both Beal and Bertans there. I think this is going to work really well for the Washington Wizards. Obvious winners, in my opinion, in this trade. Because for the Rockets and John Wall, you don't know necessarily what you're getting here. John Wall is still coming off of major injuries. Has he, He's been out for at least the past year probably the past year and a half, I can't remember. And the first-round pick, like I, I said this last episode, first-round picks don't mean anything to me for the NBA. These guys are 19 coming into coming into the NBA, and then they're going to be playing against. I mean, NBA rookies don't necessarily contribute to playoff teams. Tyler Hero this past year for the, for the Miami Heat is the exception, but they usually don't contribute to teams like this. And, and the other thing about Tyler Hero, he was like a, what, the, 14th overall pick or something like that so even the top five picks don't usually contribute to playoff teams for years to come so that's why that's what i mean about 
first round picks and picks for the NBA not really meaning much. So that's why when the Bucks traded three first round picks for Drew Holiday, I was like, do it. Get the get the all star caliber player in that sense. But still, Russell Westbrook in Washington, he's in the East now. So that should be fun to see. And we'll see what this means for the Rockets if John Wall and James Harden can kind of uh, work together. John Wall, not necessarily a three-point shooter, but he's kind of like Westbrook, a less athletic, less healthy version of Westbrook. So we'll see if this kind of uh, works out for John Wall and James Harden and the Rockets. All right. Let's get to the rest of the NBA now. The schedule has been released. At least, actually, this is interesting. For the schedule release, they only did the first half of their schedule. So they're, the NBA will be playing, will try to play 72 games this year. And the reason that they only did the first half of the schedule is because they're not, they're, they want to leave flexibility for if something happens for the second half. They want to be able to leave themselves open to change and adapt like they did with the NBA bubble. So that's why they've only released the first half of their schedule. But let's take a look at, at some of the preseason, the preseason talk, for example, can the Lakers repeat as champs this year? I mean, they re-signed LeBron James and Anthony Davis to big deals. I mean, Anthony Davis signs the five-year, $190 million max, so he's there for five years. LeBron signs the two-year, I think, what, $85 million max, so he extends it. For, he'll be there for three years, I believe. My question, I mean, they, they also traded for, I, I mentioned this one, Dennis Schroeder from the Thunder. And now they signed Montrez Harrell away from the Clippers. That's your sixth man of the year and your runner-up for sixth man of the year that the Lakers just signed right there. These are two guys. They can both come off the bench if you need them to. Now your depth is insane for playmakers on the Lakers bench. They re-sign Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They sign Wesley Matthews away from the Milwaukee Bucks. They've got, they also signed Marcus Saul as their new center. This team is loaded once again, possibly better than last year's team. Here's your starting five. LeBron James, Caldwell Pope, Wesley Matthews, Anthony Davis at the power forward, and Marcus Saul at the center. So you replace JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard, both gone now. You replace those two with Marcus Saul, Montrez Harrell. That seems like a pretty good swap for the Lakers there. At the small forward position, you get in Wesley Matthews. You lose Danny Green. Both great three-point shooters. Wesley, Wesley Matthews, a little bit more athletic, possibly a better defender than Danny Green at this at this older age as well. You swap that there. Your backup point guard is Dennis Schroeder instead of Rajon Rondo. Is that an upgrade? We'll see come playoff time because Rondo's Rondo's um, what's the word I'm trying to think? His value is when the playoffs start. That's when he he turns into playoff Rondo, as they say. Um, so I think this is this is an improved team. They re-signed Marcus Markeith Morris as their as another key reserve Kyle Kuzma is still on this team so they'll have Markeith for the whole season I think this team is possibly better than last year the the only question is LeBron James as he continues to age that doesn't seem to be a problem they are big favorites right now to repeat as NBA champions I mean who's I mean some of the the number one threat who do you pick do you do you take the Brooklyn Nets Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant coming back from injury I mean, they have a new head coach in Steve Nash. How well does that all gel together? This will be the first time we see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving working working together. They're two great players. Kevin Durant is a top three player, in my opinion. But will they be able to gel? I mean, that was the question with the Clippers. Are they the number one threat? They have in-house issues that they have to work through. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard rubbing a lot of their teammates the wrong way. 
they lose some depth in terms of Montrez Harrell. They 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 still bring they have Patrick Beverly. They they bring in Serge Ibaka. They bring in Nicholas Batum. Is that enough to upset the Lakers? You got the Milwaukee Bucks looking to come back and and rebound after a disappointing second round exit last year. They bring in Drew Holiday. They still have Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton around Giannis. The the big question for the Bucks is if Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax deal before the season starts, is that going to hang over the Milwaukee Bucks' head? Is that going to hang over the rest of the players' head all season and kind of give them questions of, are we doing enough? Can we convince Giannis to stay? That's what the Milwaukee Bucks might possibly have hanging over their head all season if Giannis doesn't sign. So that could be a concern there. They, they bring back, they bring in a couple of, of key pieces along with Drew Holiday in terms of DJ Augustine, backup point guard Torrey Craig, a great 3 and D player from the Denver Nuggets. They bring in Bobby Portis as well, Byron Forbes, another 3 and D player. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo is going to be the big player to watch for the Milwaukee Bucks after they weren't able to sign Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's now with the Atlanta Hawks. DiVincenzo is going to be that starting shooting guard spot alongside Drew Holiday for their backcourt. So if he has a big leap this year, I think it'll be his third year with the team. I uh, will see how how well this team kind of improves from last year after that second round exit, and, and if it's enough to keep Giannis to say. But is it the Bucks as the biggest threat to the Lakers? You still got the Celtics, Heat, and Nuggets as well. You can't forget those. But right now, the Lakers' chances of repeating look pretty convincing, or look look pretty good in terms of how they improved in this offseason. I mean, they the way they improved this roster, you would have thought they lost the NBA Finals this past year. So it's looking good there for the Lakers at this at this point as well. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great teams in the NBA. And we'll get to that right now in terms of of some of what I think here's here's some of the teams that I think will make the postseason. This is in no particular order. That's impossible. I don't know why I even tried that for the NFL. I mean I just I mean I just we just went over those predictions from from before the season and you saw how off they were in terms of which team's gonna be the one seed, which team's gonna be the two seed. I think next time when I do those, we'll just say, all right, these are the teams that I think will make the postseason. Maybe not necessarily record-wise. But here we go. A lot of good teams. We'll start in the Eastern Conference because I think this one's a little bit easier. The Western Conference is just a nightmare and a headache to try and figure out. But for the Eastern Conference, no particular order. Here's the eight teams that I have making the postseason. The Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets, like I said, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Boston Celtics, still a great team. Miami Heat. Still a great team. A lot of kind of kind of under the radar again already in terms of favorites to come out of the East after they just went to the NBA Finals. But the Heat will make the playoffs. Philadelphia 76ers. It's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and now a new head coach, Doc Rivers, Tobias Harris as well. They'll still be a good team. Hopefully they can all stay healthy. Indiana Pacers, a little bit under the radar there. Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, and DeMontis Sabonis. A lot of people thought that maybe Victor Oladipo would be traded this offseason. He's still there. So the Pacers, the Toronto Raptors, lose some key pieces. Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. They re-sign Fred Van Vliet, and they still have Kyle Lowry. So I still think Eastern Conference is a little weaker. I think the Raptors, they have a great coach as well. They'll still be making the playoffs. And then my eighth team that I decided to put in the playoffs was the Washington Wizards. I think Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal will be able to get this team in the playoffs. I mean, Bradley Beal was averaging over 30 points a game last season. He won't have to do that this year with Russell Westbrook on the team. 
And I think they'll be a much improved team with Russell Westbrook. They have a good coach in Scott Brooks, who's worked with Russell Westbrook as well in Oklahoma City. So I think that's going to be the eighth the eighth team to make it into the Eastern Conference playoffs. A couple of keen teams that didn't make it. Atlanta Hawks. They signed Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari. And they also got Rajon Rondo. I mean, they're, they're, they're the team. It was between the Wizards and the Hawks as my eighth team to make the playoffs. But I left the Hawks out. Trey Young as well, just one year away, I think, from making the postseason in the East. Detroit Pistons and the Orlando Magic, other two notable teams. The Magic made the postseason last year as the eighth seed. I think they'll be out this year with the improvements that the Wizards have made. All right, Western Conference predictions. Here you go. This is this is my best bet. This is so hard to, to try and decide here, but I've got the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Jazz. They'll all make it. I think the Warriors will be back. Steph Curry, they are out without Klay Thompson. I still think Steph Curry will be able to will this team into the playoffs. It'll be Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I think that's still a pretty good starting five for this team. So I think they'll be able to make the playoffs as well. I've got the Mavericks and Luka Doncic. Hopefully, Kristaps Porzingis, the second star on this team, he was out at the end of the playoffs last year with an injury. Hopefully, he'll be able to return this season healthy and stay healthy throughout the season. But I think the Mavericks will be able to make the playoffs. Luka Doncic is a really fun MVP preseason pick that a lot of people are doing. So we'll see. But I think the Mavericks will make it. I have the Phoenix Suns making it as well with that Chris Paul edition. They were a game away from being in the play-in game. There's a play-in tournament this year. Oh, I almost forgot to mention this. There's a play-in tournament this year at the end of the season. So it'll be just like in the bubble where the A seed, ninth seed, I think it's like eight, eight seed through like 11th seed or something. They have a play-in tournament at the end of the season to determine who that final seed goes to in the playoffs. So that'll be really fun. But like I, let's get back to the Suns. The Suns were a game away from being in that play-in game to get into the postseason. Remember, they went 8-0 in the bubble and, and did all they could to make the postseason this year. They add Chris Paul to that. I think this team with Chris Paul, I mean, Chris, Chris Paul miraculously, in my opinion, led the Oklahoma City Thunder to the postseason last year, and there was less talent on that team than there is on this team. So I think the addition of Chris Paul puts the Suns in the playoffs. And then that's seven. Here's my eighth. I put the Rockets in the postseason. I took the Houston Rockets with James Harden. If he's there, if James Harden's not there, then take the Rockets out. But I think James Harden and John Wall will get the job done. I think James Harden will will, will be putting up 35 points again this season. They have a new head coach, rookie head coach, and Paul Silas. But I still took the Rockets. And this these are the teams that I left out right here. I left out the Trailblazers with Damian Lillard, which seems like a mistake on my part. But it was between the Rockets the Blazers, and then here's two other young teams that are, are really close but not quite there to make the playoffs. The Pelicans, they were close last year. Zion will be healthy, hopefully, will be able to play healthy the whole season. He'll be playing more minutes, hopefully. They have a new head coach in Stan Van Gundy as well. So the Pelicans are close, and the Memphis Grizzlies as well with Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson on that team. They're, I think they're about two years away from pushing to make the postseason, but look at how strong this Western Conferences. I left the Trailblazers out of the playoffs with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. I mean, Carmelo Anthony on that team still as well. Wow. I mean, it was really tight for me between the Rockets and the Trailblazers. I think the Rockets are going to take a step back, especially 
with uh, if James Harden wants to get out of there for sure, if he's still unhappy. But those are the teams that I have in the Western Conference. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Warriors, Mavericks, Suns, Rockets. No particular order, just the eight teams that I think will make the playoffs there. But I left Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers out, which is already making me regret it. (laughs) All right, last thing about the NBA. Their schedule is out. I mentioned that earlier. Let's take a look at some of the big matchups. Opening night, first of all, great matchups. We get the Nets and the Warriors. Kevin Durant, they wanted to give us that return on the first night, and they gave it to us. That's going to be our first game of the season. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Nets Warriors to open it out. Then you get ring night for the Lakers on opening night as well. (laughs) It'll be Clippers versus the Lakers. Lakers getting their banner and their ring right in front of the Clippers. That's probably not going to sit well with with the Clippers uh, locker room, but I love that start. I believe we get Bucks and Celtics on the next day. So they only have two games on opening night, but the next day we get Bucks and Celtics as well to start off the season. A great matchup there. And then we get the 76ers and the Wizards. So two teams that I think will make the Eastern Conference playoffs. It'll be Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and new head coach. Doc Rivers. So there's some of our opening night big games that we get there. But the, the the big games that everybody cares about and the schedule that everybody is looking for is the NBA Christmas schedule. And here are our five games. First game we get is Pelicans at Heat. That's the noon game. Zion's first Christmas game. They tried to get him on one last year, but the Pelicans weren't playing him with injuries at that point and trying to get him healthy for the second half of the season. So Zion's first Christmas game, that should be exciting. And then defending Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat will be playing as well. Of course, all due res- uh, much respect to them as well and deserving a Christmas game, no doubt about it. Our second game then, we get the Warriors at the Bucks, Giannis versus Steph. This will be a great game, a really good test to see where the the Golden State Warriors are at without Klay Thompson on their roster this season. So Warriors-Bucks, that's our second one. Nets at Celtics, that's our third game. That one's at five. KD returns to a Christmas game. You get Kyrie versus his old team against the Boston Celtics with the Nets now. And then you got Tatum, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown running the show for the Celtics. So this should be a really fun matchup, two teams in the Eastern Conference. I think these are two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, too. If I were to pick my top three teams for the Eastern Conference, it would be Bucks, Nets, and Celtics, and then the Heat as that four spot in, right there. Those are my top four, no particular order necessarily. But Nets and Celtics, that'll be a really fun Christmas game. Here is our primetime game for the NBA on on Christmas. Mavericks at Lakers, the 8 o'clock game. LeBron versus Luka Doncic, an MVP paddle, an early MVP paddle. The the funny thing about the Christmas games is these are three days after opening night. (laughs) So it's not like we'll be be later in or midway, not midway, but early midway through the season, you know, and and kind of measuring stick for the teams there. This will be right at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, an early MVP battle, possibly between LeBron and Luka Doncic. The big question about this game is, should it have been Nets versus Lakers? LeBron versus KD. In my opinion, that's what the matchup should have been on Christmas. But they wanted to get Luka Doncic versus LeBron James. Do they think Luka Doncic is the next face of the NBA? I mean, LeBron's aging. Kevin Durant at 32, 33 years old. It's Luka. It's Giannis guys like that possibly as as the next face of the NBA. So we'll we'll see what they think about that, but that's our our primetime game Lakers versus Mavericks. That should be a really fun one, no doubt about it. And then our night game 
to cap it all off. Clippers at Nuggets. This is perfect. A rematch of the second round last year. You remember the Denver Nuggets came back from a 3-1 deficit on the Clippers. This is after this series. The Clippers started to implode a little bit with all this reports coming out. Players saying they weren't happy with the treatment that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were getting. Paul George recently coming out on a podcast saying that there was no adjustments made for a lot of these games. Boy, it's just everybody throwing insults and, and hurling everything at, at one another. We'll see if, if the Clippers kind of kind of bring it back together or if they keep imploding this upcoming season. But that's our Christmas schedule right there. I'm really excited. We get Pelicans Heat, Warriors Bucks, Nets Celtics, Mavericks Lakers as our prime time, and then Clippers Nuggets to finish out the day. Perfect rematch for Christmas schedule. And then we got a great Martin Luther King Day schedule up as well. So that is all I have for you there in terms of the NBA season preview. All right, let's get to my final thought then for today on the podcast episode. My final thought, Tyreek Hill, if you if you didn't hear this, I what it was with uh Chris Sims and Brandon Marshall and one other guy where Tyreek Hill was on a podcast video podcast with them and they asked him about his initial thoughts on Patrick Mahomes and his initial thoughts came out as this guy is trash. That is, coming out of Tyreek Hill's words this guy is trash. He literally was like, this is the guy we traded up for for the 10th pick. What what were we doing? Obviously, he was incorrect with that take, and, and Patrick Mahomes didn't start his first year, if you remember. He played week 17 when Alex Smith was still on that team, and, and they rested him that week. But Patrick Mahomes didn't start his first week, and Tyreek Hill's initial thoughts on Patrick Mahomes was that he was trash and that we traded up all the way up to the 10th spot for this guy. Now you got a Super Bowl with him looks like the leader for the MVP this year but that's not all the point the point is when Tyreek Hill thought uh, uh, initial thoughts on Patrick Mahomes was that he was trash the point of this is people need to have patience on these players that don't produce or even contribute in year one do you guys remember with Devontae Adams I know I was so frustrated with him as a rookie the drops that he was having there was there was calls for the Packers to drop Devontae Adams that's how frustrated we were with Devontae Adams Early on, now he's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Tyreek Hill's initial thoughts on Patrick Mahomes? Trash. Patience on these players that don't produce or even contribute in year one right away. Cough, cough, wink, wink. Packers fans, I'm talking to you here. We did this with Devontae Adams. We're doing it right now with Jordan Love. We cannot do this to players that just because they don't produce or play right away. I mean, what was everybody's thoughts when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers? I don't remember the 2005 or 2006, 2005 NFL draft. I don't believe I was following the draft as closely as I do now back then when I was, what, eight? No, I don't know. I was probably 10 or something. I don't know how old I am anymore. But either way, we can't do this again where, where we did this. You've got to give Jordan Love the chance. I think the Packers know what they're doing in this sense. Yes, it would have been nice to have a player that can contribute to a Super Bowl caliber team like the Packers are this year. But would you rather have the next quarterback set up or would you rather be like the Jets where you don't know what you're doing at quarterback every year? I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the thing here. So you've got to have patience with these guys. Tyreek Hill's initial reaction to the thoughts on Patrick Mahomes when he saw them on the when he saw him on the practice team was that this guy was trash. And now this guy is everybody's favorite to be the next greatest of all time quarterback. Patience, people, with some of these players. This is a not so subtle nod. Wink, wink, shove, 
shut up Packers fans in terms of, of Jordan Love. Give it a chance. I mean, I don't know if you remember your thoughts or your initial reaction on when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers when they had Brett Favre. This is the exact same situation. Give it time. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes can be called trash by his best wide receiver when he first got there, I think we can, uh, and now look at what he turned into, I think we can have some patience with Jordan Love. We did this with Devontae Adams. If you don't remember it, go look back at some of the, you can probably find it in social media on people's thoughts on Devontae Adams when he was a rookie with this team. And we had Jordy Nelson, we had Randall Cobb, we had James Jones, we had guys like that. We had, um, we probably didn't have Donald Driver anymore. But when we had those guys and, and Devontae Adams wasn't producing, people wanted him cut. <laughs> Here he is now as a top three wide receiver. So uh, patience. This is for you Packers fans on Jordan Love. All right. Final, final thought then today on my podcast, fantasy football. I told, I knew I would finally get to this. I just was waiting for the right time to finally do it. Fantasy football playoffs, one week away. I'm only going to talk about my teams. I'm glad I didn't do this earlier because you don't care how I'm doing week to week. You just want to know if I'm making the playoffs. You probably don't even want to know, but I'm going to tell you anyways because it's fun stuff. I'm in four leagues. It is horrible. I hate being in four leagues. Last year I was in five. It's the worst thing ever. I can't do it. I can't do five. I, I only I only hit this year. I'm doing four. I only care about three of them. You gotta you gotta prioritize because in one league you could have Aaron Rodgers on your team and you could be playing against him in a different league. How do you root for something like that? It's impossible. So don't do as many fantasy football leagues as you can. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> but here's here's how I'm I'm doing. I have a chance to be in the playoffs in all four of my leagues. The one league that I don't care about is the one I'm already in the playoffs for. So that's the most upsetting thing. But I'm in this one league with with friends from high school and some guys from my high school basketball team. It's called 12 Average Men. It's actually hilarious. I love this league so much. But the punishment, the best thing about this league is the punishment for this league is that the loser has to do the blazing challenge at Buffalo Wild Wings. I've never lost. I've only made it to the bottom tier. I've only missed the playoffs one time. But man, it's just my goal every year for this league is just to, to make the playoffs. I don't even care if I win. I just don't want to be in the bottom bracket and have the possibility of having to do the blazing challenge at Buffalo Wild Wings. I think that would be the worst thing. It's not the worst thing, but I, but watching watching the loser do it every year is just brutal. They they get like three wings in. The the key is that we always that we always try to figure out is you can't take a breath because as soon as you suck in some of that oxygen, that's when that's when the heat starts to come on the tongue, the rest of your mouth. These guys are tearing up. One guy I think was throwing up one year. I don't remember if he had to throw up or not, but man, that is my goal for this. It's it's my ESPN league. But here is uh here's some of the some of the guys that I had. My ride or die this year in all in all my leagues was Josh Jacobs. And now, of course, he's out this week. But I need to win in this league to make it to the playoffs. Right now, in the standings, there's a three-way. There's a oh my goodness, there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams tied at seven and five. This is a twelve-man league. Six teams tied at seven and five. The two first-place teams are eight and four. So I mean, I, I'm playing against another guy that's seven and five. Right now, I'm currently out of the playoffs with this team because my team doesn't score a lot of points. I just win some of these games. But at seven and five, there's six teams in this league. At seven and five, it's the most competitive this league has ever been. So it's just hilarious. I absolutely need to win this week if I'm gonna gonna make the playoffs. But my two first round picks, in, or my two first picks in this league, were Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon, I had him for that 42 point game, if you remember, 
earlier on in the year. But then after that, he's been injured in and out of the lineup. So I actually was able to trade Joe Mixon for Zeke Elliott. But, I mean, Joe Mixon went on IR, but Zeke Elliott has been getting me, like, a total of 10 to, or, like, 6 to 10 points each week. So, I mean, was that really an upgrade? We'll see. But my starting quarterback was Tom Brady. Tom Brady has been working out pretty well for me. I was I was able to pick up Mike Davis as well as the as the running back to back up Christian McCaffrey. I didn't have McCaffrey, of course, but I got Mike Davis. But my wide receivers have been really killing it this year. I had Tyler Lockett in his 50-point game. I had his 40-point game. So Tyler Lockett has been kind of carrying my team. And then A.J. Brown as well, even though he missed a couple of those weeks. A.J. Brown has been a solid 15 to 22 points a week in this league. So my team, not bad. I've got a chance this week. I don't have Tom Brady this week, and I don't have Josh Jacobs either. So this is this is my lineup to make the postseason. Kirk Cousins at quarterback, yikes. But it's against Jacksonville, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for something good there. Zeke Elliott against Baltimore, gross. I got Josh Jacobs back up in Devontae Booker. I got Tyler Lockett, A.J. Brown, Evan Ingram, Devontae Parker as my flex, Bears defense against the Lions, and then I got Harrison Bucker at kicker. It doesn't matter what kicker you choose. I mean, you could have uh, the only reliable kicker, in my opinion, is Justin Tucker. But still, I got Harrison Bucker, and that's the team that I'm hoping will carry me to the postseason in the league where I absolutely do not want to be in the bottom bracket because I do not want to do the Blaze Challenge. It just looks horrible. All right, then in my other league, here's the other league that I care about. It's a Yahoo league with my brother. My brother and my girlfriend are in this one, and I've beaten them both this year. So that's really all I care about in this league. My brother is just on the outside of the playoffs. My girlfriend, she's she's in last place. She's kind of had a tough season. I mean, Michael Thomas was out a lot. She's had injuries all over the place, and she likes tight ends. So she took Darren Waller and, and Evan Ingram and kind of left running backs alone. But that's okay. But I've beaten both of them. That's kind of all I really care about. And I'm in the playoffs. I mean, who, who am I playing this week? Oh, this could be bad. I'm playing my girlfriend this week, and if I win, I'm easily in the playoffs. But if I win, I could also be in trouble a little bit. So we'll see. Well, that 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 could be fun. But in that one, I'm looking good. I beat my brother. That was the biggest thing. I wanted to beat my brother because he he thinks he's some uh, fantasy football genius. When in fact, I'm still smarter than him when it comes to this. <laughs> but and then the third league that I care about. This one, I am outside of the playoffs. Oh boy, I'm five and seven, and that's and the reason was my first pick was Zeke Elliott, and that did not help me. And then my second pick was Nick Chubb. Great pick. He's just injured for six weeks when I really needed him, and and needed those those wins. I had Tyler Lockett and Kelvin Ridley. They were carrying me early on, but then when I lost Nick Chubb, uh, this team started to go to hell. So I need to win this week, and I need this other guy, the sixth place guy. He's six and six. I need him to lose for me to have a chance to make it into the playoffs. This team, this one has a big buy-in, but it ha- it doesn't have a punishment, I believe. So hopefully that I can make the playoffs there. But no punishment is what really uh, <laughs> the punishment is what incentivizes me the most. Hopefully that's a word incentivizes me the most to do well in these leagues. I don't necessarily care about winning. Sure, it'd be cool to to win whatever the buy-in was and all that. But the the, the punishment is what scares me the most of doing the Buffalo Wild Wings Blazing Challenge. So that's that's why that league is is most important to me. We also, in that league, it's called 12 Average Men. We even have a Twitter page for it that one guy runs. It's absolutely hilarious, some of the stats that he puts on there and stuff. It's it's my favorite league. We have a trophy for the winner that that gets passed around. I think we've got—and then, of course, we've got the Blazing Challenge along with the buy-in. So this is a full— 
this is a full-time league. This is, I think we're in like our eighth year doing this league. And we're competitive. If you aren't competitive in this league, you get booted from it. There's a guy this year that has a possibility if he doesn't turn it around, if you don't come to the draft, or it's not come to the draft anymore, it's if you don't participate in the draft in terms of actually drafting your team. No auto drafts. We don't like that in this league is what I'm really excited about for these leagues. So those are my four. Those are my three leagues that I care about. One of them is a work league that I don't even know the people that I'm in it with. But still, I'm, I'm in it because it's a Wisconsin league at NFL Network, which is, I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm in the playoffs for that one. But those are my three leagues. Got a chance to make the playoffs for all three of them. Looking better in two of them. The one that I care about most as well. Looking better for that one as well. But uh, we'll see, hopefully. So there's my fantasy football update that I know you've all been waiting for all football season for me to get to that but those are those are my fantasy football teams josh jacobs was my ride or die guy this year that's all i need to to mention there as well he was my guy that i targeted in the first round for all of my draft picks all right that is all i have for you on this week's episode of the final final podcast hopefully i'll be able to come back next week and do a podcast and start getting back to that weekly schedule hopefully there's there's no more cancellations or postponements of nfl games that kind of mess this up but Hopefully you enjoyed this episode, another long one. Sorry about that, but I I really wanted to get to some of that stuff at the end with Tyree Kill and my fantasy football teams as we get to the playoffs. We'll probably talk fantasy football one more time, see how I finished off the playoffs and maybe if I came away as a champion. For the first time, I haven't been a champion yet in fantasy football. I've been a two-time runner-up and a two-time third-place finisher, but I haven't been the champ yet. So that's what I'm vying for this year. All right, that's all I have for you. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody. COVID cases are still rising. Have a great holiday season as well, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe. And that is the final final.